Hey guys, super grateful to you all for tuning in and joining us on this journey to grow soccer in the US. You're the reason we keep on doing it. So a few of you have asked how you can support a podcast and we thank you for that. So today we're shouting out Buy Me A Coffee. It's a platform that makes it so easy to give us a little digital thank you. You just go over to Buy Me A Coffee page, which is buymeacoffee.com slash dkcubuildit. That's buymeacoffee.com slash dkcubuildit, all the word. Pick your level and then buy us a coffee. That tip goes straight to us right here at DKCUHQ. And it is a super easy way, hopefully for you guys, to show some direct support and appreciation of this podcast. Look, we know everyone can't buy us a coffee and that's okay um you tuning in and spreading the word is more than enough if you do enjoy the show and are looking for a simple way to give back check out our buy me a coffee page just a three dollar coffee is hugely appreciated and helps this show keep on ticking however you support the gold pod thank you sincerely from the bottom of our hearts on with the show john you good i'm good love roll baby ladies and Welcome back to Build It, my friends, uh, the non-league soccer podcast where we te- speak to non-league soccer people across the country and beyond. With me as ever, my friend, co-host, club founder, CEO, more remarkably younger than me, uh, man about town, dad of three, etc., etc. John Hall. Hello, John. Hello, buddy. All true. And that's the first time I think you've ever called me your friend before all that other stuff. So I, 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 absolutely, I might tear up a bit. Give me a few yeah. minutes. As we discussed in the preamble, John, I'm feeling reflective right now. So I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you, friend. Um, and joining us as well, the wonderful smiley face. And it says, according to his, I can't remember where I stole this from. Usually it's um, from LinkedIn, but I think this came from your actual website. Um, the charismatic host, charismatic, that's a lot to live up to. The charismatic host of the Bluegrass Soccer Cast, which I found an absolute ball ache to pronounce. I'd like, when I was pre-recording, I said it like 17 times. Anyway, the charismatic host of the Bluegrass Soccer Cast, with infectious enthusiasm and a light-hearted sense of humour, as opposed to that dark-hearted sense of humour, um, he engages and listen, guests and listeners as he explores everything related to the Kentucky pro, semi, and college soccer scene, and much more. Ladies and gentlemen, Jimmy Martin. Hello, Jimmy. Hey, how are you all? Just dandy, thank you, my friend. I'm just so glad he's done with that intro. Right. It went on a bit, didn't it? It was long for the audio listeners. There was a little bit of a speeded up moment there from John. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, now I have a lot to live up to after that intro. And uh, thanks for reading the uh, parts of our, our website. Uh, a few people had done that before. So thank you. Oh, good. Oh, well, it's a beautiful looking website. And we'll, we'll touch on that. And we'll touch on many other things. But um, they're really. really Historically, I put it through ChatGPT, but um, there wasn't enough to sort of perm for chat. I said, write, write an intro for Jimmy Martin, and it basically said, who? So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, Jimmy, my that's first all, question. That's all the time we have today, Jimmy. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Yeah. 
no problem. Chat GPT, it's great. Everyone have a great day. It's been lovely. Um, tell us about you, Jimmy. Why have you why have you got the soccer podcast? What's your soccer story? What's 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 the, the cliff notes on Jimmy Martin? So I probably have one of the most non-soccer stories of anybody you're gonna have on this show, right? I did not grow up playing. Um, I, in fact, played American football. I was not very good, but I attempted to play, right? Um, I didn't really get into soccer until I saw the 99ers and all of that kind of stuff, like growing up as a kid. So that was like a nice little introduction to it. But I didn't really get into it until the Germany World Cup. Um, and me and one of my friends, uh, we literally printed out little flags and like put it on pencils that we took the... Uh, so we took to each other's house and we're waving around like we were in uh, in Germany watching it. Uh, we joked that we were going to go to South Africa uh, for that World Cup, but that never happened. Uh, we grew up very, very poor, so <laughs> that was never a reality. Uh, but it was fun to talk about. So I got into soccer really, though, in college. Uh, I started an intramural club. Uh, we started with soccer and then branched to other sports, but shout out to Murray United from Murray, Kentucky. If anybody is keeping that club alive, you're welcome. I did all the work for you in the background. Um, and now you can enjoy my legacy, I guess. Um, so I did that and then just continued to watch over the years. And then when I moved to Bowling Green, Kentucky, probably about two years ago, I heard about this new club that had started up, uh, Bowling Green Football Club, the Golden Lions. Uh, I reached out to them. I was like, Hey, I've always wanted to work in sports. I got a decent voice. My mother always told me I have a face for radio. Do you need some help broadcasting? Do you need some help with, uh, podcasting, anything like that, that you want to start? Those guys were super gracious, gave me a lot of opportunity, uh, to see the inside of the organization, to see how it's ran, uh, forever grateful for them. But I got to the point where I was like, okay. We've covered one club for, you know, a whole season and a little bit after and content is very thin. So how can we expand what we're doing? So myself, my producer, editor, director, it's, it's all the same person. We're a very small operation. Uh, we decided to leave the club, started Bluegrass Soccer Cast, uh, literally kind of on a whim. Uh, we met for breakfast at the Waffle House. We're all good stories start right now at least in the South. Uh, and then we did all the branding and marketing and we just took off. Oh, there we go. It's pretty cool that like we're at that organic stage whereby not like the Wild West, but like anybody can basically just get up there and start shouting and talking and for the first time ever. I love that. Um you've definitely talking about something that people want though, right? You've got you've got the longevity You've got the listenership. You've got whatever. Um, what is the the Kentucky and environmental environment? Um, what's the Kentucky scene like? Well, it's beautiful. The scenery. Thank you. You've already, yeah, the colors. The colors. Right. I mean, I'm sitting here uh, at a, a conference and I'm looking at all the beautiful trees. It's gorgeous. Soccer related, though. Uh, as it stands, we have three uh, soon to be four fully professional teams um in louisville kentucky we have two uh loose city you know the predominant usl champion team um somehow they won in memphis last week and get to host the semi the eastern conference semifinal 
I don't know how that happened, but somebody pooped magic in it, and there it is, right? Um, also in Louisville, we have Racing Louisville, which is in the NWSL. Um, they made a really good push in the Challenge Cup this past season, as well as made a, a run at the playoffs, but fell just a little bit short. Uh, then over in Lexington, that's where currently a lot of the growth is in our state. And um, Lexington Sporting Club just started, uh, had their first season in USL League One. Uh, did okay. You know, they didn't finish last. So going on them as an expansion club, right? Like keep the uh, expectations reasonable for the future. Uh, and then starting next year, uh, Lexington Sporting Club will also have a women's team, uh, same title, same logo, same everything. Um, and they will be competing in the USL Super League, which is the USL's top women's league. So that's at the top end. And we've got a robust middle of some kind of rotating doors of teams. We've got the Bowling Green Football Club, like I mentioned, BGFC. Um, they play in the UPSL. They won uh, the Kentucky-Tennessee Conference and made it to the round of 16 their first season. So they've had a, a good run uh, in their four years in existence to this point. Um, but now we're starting to see extra teams pop up. We've got probably another eight semi-professional clubs in the state um and then there's a whole other side that we don't even talk about on my podcast which is the amateur league uh that has a couple teams in kentucky we don't talk about them because well maybe we'll talk about it here later but <laughs> they, they frustrated uh the podcast because they were not willing to work with us on trying to give their teams extra exposure uh and then underneath all of that we have 55 college um, teams between men's and women in the state and we on the podcast try to at least give every one of them some kind of attention um, we've got a top five list that we do every week uh, which ranks from division one ncaa division one all the way down to NCCAA division two which is the lowest that we have in the state so you'll do that pretty much single-handedly no, I do have one other person, um, John, who is on our podcast. We split the state. He does the eastern half. I do the western half for, for the schools. Um, he's a big Lexington fan, so he writes all the stuff for Lexington. I do the stuff for Louisville and Bowling Green and the semi-pro teams. Um, and then our producer kind of helps just with, like, keeping track of stats and stuff like that for, like, Golden Boot and for, uh, what sort of look for, and uh, Golden Glove and stuff like that. See, John, that's what comes from having a staff, John, where you can delegate shit. We should try it one day. Wait a minute. minute. Listen, he's got a John, you've got a John, and we are like light years behind what they're doing. So I feel like the John's being equal. Nick, you just need to step up. You say say it's it's basically the buck stops with me. Okay. Yeah. Also, also because um, you're doing a lot uh, I'm gonna say like data stuff that your your content is data driven so then you're ranking and doing all that stuff I don't and you can probably tell the the amount of prep we put into our little podcast what what does it look like for you when you prep between you like do you guys sit down and put all your show notes together and and like what does that look like in a given week or prep for a show so I, I'm a bit controlling, uh, and my John will, will probably recognize that. I set the uh, the outline, and I send it to him, um, 
and he has his own notes that he puts. We never see each other's notes. That is something I've been absolutely critical on. I never want to know your point. I never want to know your takeaways before the show because I want it to be a genuine reaction. Uh, and I do the same for him. Like I'm more likely to fly off the hinges and be like, we need to fire this guy for X, Y, Z reason. And John will be like, well, why? I'll be like, well, that's X, Y, Z. And he'll be like, yeah, but, and then we'll have like a great conversation from there. So I, I like to, I set the stage and then I just let the actors portray whatever is comes out. Totally fair. Let's, preparation would be great if we could be bothered, really, John. But you're lucky we even looked at your YouTube channel, to be honest. Um, so you went, you mentioned like the, the pro team and then the, the semi, the, the, you, you dare quotes for those, the listeners, you, you would call them semi pro. Um, John keeps going backwards and forwards with guests about like the nomenclature for that sort of the UPS level, um, and the American market. Have you, um, found a way of describing what it is that those non pro clubs do that chimes with? an audience that explains it in a way that isn't just we're not minor league without mascots yeah so i think it's kind of looking at it from a player's experience that's what we try to talk about it from like we don't have that experience ourselves but we talk to the players we give them the opportunity to have a platform to showcase what they do that's what we try to help them with so uh two examples of that um when i was with bgfc in the first iteration of of the podcast uh bgfc weekly we had jansen wilson who was a college player who played some professional for them on the show um he took that exposure the time with the team the goals etc to get a really great transfer experience to belmont um and as the niu huskies uh my alma mater for grad school no uh, Belmont is a great school, but NIU did upset Belmont this past weekend in the men's side, at least. So shout out, go Huskies. Uh, and then in the past season, uh, we had a player, his name was Will Bryant. And I saw this kid talent from, uh, the first tryout. And I told the coaches, I told everyone who listened, that kid, that's not Will. That's the red dragon. So every time on a broadcast, every time on an episode when we would mention them, we always talked about the Red Dragon. So it helped him build his legacy, right? He then got to go to Lipscomb University um, based on his experience with BGFT and so forth. So it was really good to see those kind of players get the experience and the exposure to help them get to the next level. So you're, that's a, that's a good point. So because there's only a couple of ways you can look at it, right? Uh, and I always say we are driven, our sustainability is going to be driven by butts and seats and ex the experience we were able to provide. And certainly winning carries a big part of that, but you have to have people that care first to care about the winning. So, so the semi pro term, um, for us is not just player focused. It, 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 we do try to give them a professional like experience. You could say semi pro experience, right? Quality coaching meals after games, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's also fan focused or fan centric where, you know, yeah, we're not doing it like they do at an MLS game, but we're not doing it like we're doing it at the park 
on Sunday morning, right? It's it's something in between there. So um, I use the terms minor league, semi-pro, elite, amateur, interchangeably, depending on my audience, because I think that's kind of what differentiates, you know, when you're talking to a sponsor, I can't say it, we're an elite amateur club. What the yeah. hell does that mean, right? If I say semi-pro, minor league, they get it because that's American terminology. And um, so can't believe we haven't adapted a universal standard of what we're going to call these different levels of chaos that we've created. Um, well, but some of the nuance, right? Like the difference between like being semi-professional and even semi-amateur. Like I've heard some people try to make that argument to me. And I'm like, you're saying the same thing, just different verbs, right? Yeah, I think it's interesting to see. And it, it, you can have the same, you can't even clarify a league as that. It really comes down to mm-hmm. the clubs because clubs operate within a league. You have such a disparity in the clubs that operate the most professionally and the ones that do the bare minimum in this. So you can't even say, well, UPSL is a semi-pro league or right. Midwest Premier League is a semi-pro. It's not even true because right. the clubs don't all, the bottom has to be that level. Oh, hey, thanks, Siri. The bottom has to be that level. It can't be somewhere in the middle. It has The bottom club has to operate at that level. And I don't think that's true of most of us amateur clubs, but um, that's a soapbox I can time to time. And let me let me pick on the UPSL on that exact thing, right? Because there is a bottom, right? Like you have league rules, you have league standards, right? But if no one is holding the teams accountable to those, you don't really have a minimum, right? Like you can say, you have to have a working scoreboard. You have to have a running, uh, you have to play the national anthem, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But if no one is holding the teams accountable, then it, it's useless. Like, why do you even have a written? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. That's one of the challenges we have with, uh, my work with the Midwest premier league when I was on the board and dealing with the expansion and stuff still, um, that's the hard thing is just to outline for new potential, you know, new partners coming in and that's what they are. They're partner clubs to us. You know, yeah. here's the expectation. Yeah, yeah, I could do all that. And they, you know, and then it comes June 3rd and they've had three games and haven't done it once. And you're like, we, but we were very clear and we had conversations that it was in black and white. And then it's like, well, I can't do all that. Well, these are conversations we should have had seven months ago. But um, of, uh, speaking of all that, so in your neck of the woods down there, what clubs reach out to you as maybe like the, I'm going to say best run professional, like on that scale we're talking about, which ones like check those boxes for you in, uh, in Kentucky? Obviously the, the big three, right? Lexington sporting club, Luke city, uh, and race will, yeah, like top notch. Like they do the best that they can within their city and within the Commonwealth to, to be the best. When you look at the semi-professional level, there are a lot of challenges, very similar to John, what you were talking about there of like getting sponsorships. So without naming teams, because I have a decent amount of knowledge, there are at least three teams within this state that I know of at the semi-pro level that may or may not happen this year because of funding. Um, one of them is confirmed by the, the UPSL that they're coming, but even I'm still skeptical of them uh, because 
They don't have like a front jersey sponsor yet. They don't have any kind of money for transportation. And our conference is growing immensely. Like we literally go from Southern Indiana now all the way down to Southern Tennessee down in Chattanooga. And if you've never made that journey, uh, there's no difference in terrain between the flatness of Southern Indiana and the mountains of, of Southern Tennessee. Like it's not going to be cheap. Um, it's not easy. And I think it's leagues have to understand. And in my opinion, the league has to be more picky on who they admit based on that kind of information. Can you afford the long term of this? This can't just be a splash in the pan. You have to have a long term vision here. Have you, um, it's all, these are all like sort of to me, like very logical things, right? Like you have to yeah. have controlled growth. And, and I've, also said this many, many times, like as a league or a league representative, every moment that I spend chasing an expansion team or a new team is a moment that we as a league uh, that is run by volunteers, we are not catering to our own members, right? So every expansion is cool and it gets a little bit of content and whatever, but it's got to be the right kind of expansion because we don't want to have a club that's not ready for our level, whatever that level may be, that disappears in two years, three years, five years. We want sustainable business partners because that's what we are. Mm -hmm. Then we can start to tell the tale of the rivalries. And last year we beat your ass six to one. And last yeah. year we had three red cards because the players got into it. And this year, like you can build on some of these things when there's familiarity. So I think that's one of the um, the challenges that all this is, is what is the league's value or values what are the values um and, and is it about take world domination or is it about well we need expansion fees to pay the front office or like there's so many of those little things right and i'm curious if you've ever um bloated around in in the league front office with anybody yet where you actually had to see sort of the big picture and you do as an independent but i'm just wondering if, if yeah. any league has ever crossed your path yet not directly. Let, let me say it that way. I think I've had some side conversations with some people very casually about like, hey, so I've always kind of wondered this and that about the league, you know, can you can you tell me a little bit more about why these kind of decisions were made? But but nothing like super officially. I'm talking about like sideline conversations that games, like nothing formal in any way. Uh, now, I would love to do that. I, I would love to be able to help uh, the UPSL or whoever get more teams in my state. Like that is my biggest thing. Like I'm from Kentucky. I love Kentucky. It is my home. I want to showcase it to the world, uh, that this is a soccer culture, that this community does enjoy the sport. Um, so if any league official is out there, they want to hire me. Oh, well, my contact information will be at the bottom. I'm sure DM me. Yeah, right on. I think that's, it's an interesting thing too. When you cover college, you cover, you know, amateur or semi-pro up to the, the biggest clubs in the region. Uh, you yeah. get to see sort of the, the connectivity or lack of connectivity between the levels, like where I get, I get disappointed sometimes that people aren't always just good. Like there's no reason the MLS club couldn't retweet or re z or x or y um a 
like an upcoming league final between two teams in, you know, in the state. Like those it's kinds of like little fire, things, right? What could look yeah, like fire promoted? Chicago County's playing. We're playing Chicago House. I don't care if you say good luck to Chicago House, and we're like it's fine, but. Why not acknowledge that the other levels exist? Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of uh, obviously protect protecting the uh, the badge and the the level and all that stuff. I get, but even at the lower levels, USL doesn't do it. We don't do a good job of promoting up the chain necessarily, and it's just uh, it's unfortunate we don't all try to help each other and promote and things. Nick, did you have a question? I did, John. I raised my hand very politely because I'm English. Um, so. Recently, there was um, an international break, right? Fans of the EPL and the Bundesliga and everything else will know that. Um, for whatever reason, MLS doesn't observe it. Different conversation. Um, but a thing that they introduced back in England a while back was a thing called non-league day, which is just one day a season that happened on one of the one of the um, international breaks. Was that um, everybody committed to saying, "Well, you know what? Liverpool aren't playing, and Everton aren't playing, so go and watch. Not even go watch Tranmere, which is my club." because they're a league club, but go and watch a proper non-league game, right? Go and support the, quote, grassroots of it all. So, go to, well, I'm not, I could name a thousand names, but um, recently I saw, for the most recent um, non-international break, there was a big hoo-ha because one of the clubs in Scotland on the Michael Buckle um, newsletter got flagged it. Um, they just basically did a whole like drone shoot of all the, like, the eight or nine clubs around them that were playing because they're non-league. And said, "Go and support these. Don't give us your money, or you know, whatever." Um, and yeah, I don't understand why it's not done more, but it's not done more everywhere. So to bash on MLS to not do it, whilst I'm all for bashing MLS, um, you know, no one's doing it. No one's saying, "Do you know what? We don't need your support," or "Don't sit at home and watch the red zone. Go and watch these guys." Um, but it would be lovely if they did. I don't know how much of an impact it would do, other than connecting the dots from an administerial level. I don't think anybody needs the permission of MLS to go and watch Chicago House or Bowling Green, right? They just, right. If they're going to go, they're going to go. You're on mute, John. John, you're John, you're muted. Come on, granddad. Not, I'm not muted. I'm just talking to myself. It's it's all just about scale and exposure. You know, like we talked yeah. late. There's, there's a lot of people... I know a lot of people that drive from DeKalb and Sycamore and they drive an hour and a half in to support the Chicago fire. And I'd like to think most of them know about us now after six years, but I don't know that they all do. And could you imagine if, if in, in our conference of the Midwest premier league that has a handful of Chicago based teams, could you imagine if the fire said, Hey, we're away this weekend or we're off this weekend Here's a bunch of local Chicago clubs go out and support one. Um, there's going to be at least a handful of people that go, I didn't even know that club was in Edgewater. I I live in Edgewater. I didn't know there was a club. And it's just the outreach that we can't, or you know, it takes so much time to organically get that. And again, that's where it's kind of got to work both ways too. Like I'm not asking for uh, freebies from anybody. It's got to be, it's got to be a, a handshake partnership. Like, Let's try to promote each other and uh, and uh, try to practice what I preach a little bit, you know, with what I can do. But I think that's the rising tides lift all boats. We got to grow the game of soccer collectively. And I think that's probably in about every club and every league's mission is to grow the game. And yet we don't do it. 
And I'll shut up, Jimmy. You're up. No, no, you're good. But when you look at like what you all do at uh, DKCU, right? Like when you look at that and you're going into the city and you're playing, um, I don't want to keep you in Chicago house. Uh, what's the other one? They've got like a blue and blue, red and white logo. Audrey. Audrey. Yeah. That one. When you, when you, when you're playing them, right. Can you get a promotional opportunity where, I don't know, at the, the place where the, the red stars, or as I call them, the lame stars play the old Chicago fire stadium. Could you have a double header, you know, for Midwest Premier League team playing and, you know, the the fire are there to watch when they're away or something like that, like work together. But then they're going to want something in return, right? Like you mentioned, John. So what do you do? Do you promote, you know, a player that is that played for DeKalb and is now uh, with the fire, et cetera? Like it, it's got to go both ways. So in Kentucky, though, I think our only opportunity for some of that competition or some of that cross promotion is in preseason matches or what I hope to see more of the open cup. And I know the MLS for whatever reason does not give a crap about the open cup in any way, shape, form, or fashion. That has been abundantly clear this year. Um, I'm also an inner Miami fan. Um, so do not have Messi play in that game. And I get it. He was hurt, whatever. His feelings were hurt, maybe. Um, but, like, to not have him play in the biggest game of the Open Cup, not on Apple, seems a bit odd, if I'm being honest, right? Like, it, it seems a bit suspicious. So, but in Kentucky, uh, we had three teams that made the Open Cup last year. Bowling Green Football Club made it to the second round of the opening phase of the Open Cup, which I didn't even know existed until you know, this past season. And then uh, Lexington and Louisville joined in at the same time uh, and played each other. Played each other to a, a great match, 1-0 uh, to uh, Louisville. Um, but it was a downpour, like a two-hour delay. Lexington was literally playing like fourth game in franchise history, although I lost by one. Um, so I think it, it's in those kind of opportunities that – uh, but so when you're you're getting into those kind of preseason matches, that's where like Lexington they played a couple of the colleges earlier in the year, so they got that exposure boost, right? But as opposed to you know Bowling Green Football Club, they can't seem to get one scheduled with Lou City or Lexington because they're they're already busy with other teams or whatnot. So that would be an avenue that I would like to see some changes done. So we'll see. That, that's the other thing, you know, like us. At our level, to connect with Chicago Fire is a thousand times talent-wise, a thousand times resource-wise, a thousand times level of play, fan, like all of it. It's like it's not even close enough to say let's partner in some way. Um, it's really like how can we work with USL League One clubs? And there's not that many of those even in the country. So it's like how do we? How do we find the next level up, so to speak, which would be the lowest level professional? And how do we connect there and create a little bit of, of uh, something, some sort of relationship? And there's not one of those for every amateur club, so that makes it a little trickier and they don't want to alienate. And um, it's, just, it's just a difficult thing to try to connect. And, and really, it's just about exposure. And again, bringing butts in seats for all parties, even League One clubs, are not run by billionaires. They need 
5,000 people or 3,000 people, not 500 people, and creating those uh, relationships on and off the field. You know, player movement's great, but, you know, fan engagement ideas, all that kind of networking that can happen. I mean, there's a ton of benefits to it. And uh, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I need to study the geography of the clubs you've talked about, you know, just relationship-wise, how far apart are they all. And, and but it's interesting too. And, I, and it's exciting to hear about all the women's teams um, you know, that are having success or starting soon and like the growth, there's, there's so many different facets of soccer that, that we can all take advantage of and, and again, help grow the game. I'm interested. Um, you would just touch on the, on the women's soccer thing there, John, like uh, my experience through DeKalb is that, um, once you get past the NWSL, the women's game, um, is a little bit of a free-for-all shit show, for want of a better phraseology. Um, nobody seems to be in charge. There doesn't seem to be, going back to what you were saying about standards, there doesn't even appear to be people prepared to pick up and be at the bottom. They're like, oh, no, the bottom's way above us. We don't care. And it's like, we'll turn up, we won't turn up. Um, is that your experience of below the pro level in Kentucky as well? Or is, you know, like, is that an Illinois-Chicago issue, or is that a bigger issue? No, I, I think it's a little bigger issue. I think it comes down more to though, like the academy system, right? Like there are a lot of clubs that have academies that will go up to like that U nineteen level, especially on the girl side. But then that's it. You know, they don't have an avenue outside of college, which is only for a certain set of players, right? Both on talent and you know so many other factors, right? Like not everybody can go to college, unfortunately, right? Uh, especially to play. So there has to be opportunity for them when we need more teams. But two, we need to further continue to develop those academy systems to get those higher level uh, professional or semi-professional teams. I think that's the only way that we're going to grow either men's or women's, but especially the women's game. For sure. I guess I'm more, I'm, I, as I middle-aged fat guy who was never any good at the sport um and going back to what you were saying Jimmy, about um you're you're you falling in love with the sport like i have an interest in the playing side from my watching perspective but in terms of this podcast and in terms of growing the game um like i feel like that that player pool will always be there we can enlarge it and we can shrink it and we can connect the dots but there doesn't appear to be enough people interested in connecting from the admin side like everyone's everyone's working in their own silos and again going back to what john was saying about like the, the cross promotion of games is like the league aren't going to project promote because they want to keep it all for themselves they want to hit the whole chunk of the pie so how do we bridge those gaps of um or increase the talent pool the talent pool but increase that pool of connectivity is there a way of doing that and like, let's, let's be honest and admit them here, right? Like starting a club is hard. Like it takes time, effort, money. If you don't have those things from the start, either as a potential owner of a club, or if you're somebody having to go out and find sponsorship to fund a club, it's really challenging. And that kind of goes back to the leagues, right? What resources do leagues have to make connections or to help, um, connect maybe two folks in, a, in an area that have a similar passion together right so how do you pu put a talent base of people 
with the money to make a club happen. Like that, that's a lot. Uh, so when you look at Kentucky, I don't know the viability sponsorship wise for a lot of clubs. Like there are a lot of small towns, a lot of college towns in the state that would be on paper ideal for, you know, uh, UPSL or maybe even uh, a USL League One kind of team. But without the sponsorship money behind it, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's really difficult to um, shoestring. And that's what, again, goes back to sustainability. If you're, if you're shoestringing money together every year just to get year to year to year, you're you're almost so focused on right now that you can't focus on the long term. And right. we've obviously been moderately successful in balancing that, I think. Um, trying to figure out, like, we... We can't look past our skis because we're on the mountain right now. But if we look at if we look at our toes, we're not going to see what's ahead, and then we're going to miss opportunities, maybe of of doing things that we just didn't see. And I think we've been very fortunate with a, I would say, a robust volunteer staff um, that we were able to kind of do a bunch of different things. But there's so many clubs just really struggle to. You know, it's that one passionate guy in his basement. Yeah. We're going to do it. It's going to be great, and everybody's going to love it because I love it. And they got some buddies egging them on, and that's good. But it's like, it's it's not necessarily the thing that's going to make your club something your community can sort of wreck some latch on to, right? Like, really become the heartbeat of the community and especially when, in, as you go farther south, right, you get into even more college football and all the other stuff where yeah. market share of entertainment dollars and time more than anything is just critical. And sponsors aren't paying for you to have 30 people watch your game. They don't care. Nope. Nope. They, they do not care at all. And you bring up a great point uh, and something that DeKalb does really well to, to brag on you all, that some of the teams here don't. I see you all at community events. Like you all are constantly at, you know, Fires Market, Fall Festivals, those kind of things. And I don't see that from the clubs here. And I think that is a massive detriment to their success. That is a, a very prohibitive. I don't understand why any club would not want to be active in their community. I don't care what, you know, I've heard a million excuses. Well, the players got this. Well, the players got that. Well, look, if they want to play and they want to be on this team and you have this standard and you put it, I mean, even if you have to put it in paper that they have to show up to two community events a season, like that is not that unreasonable, right? Like, yes, people have to work. Yes, people have families and stuff like that. And you have to be mindful of that. But I just really struggle with the concept that if you're one of two, so in, uh, let's use a different team, uh, Puma's Premier. Uh, out in Mayfield or Paducah, whatever town they want to call home that day. Uh, they are the only professional, semi-professional sport in the in the region. Uh, they go to some events and they heavily recruit for their academy, but they rarely have their pro teams there. So if they, in my opinion, if you had your pro players there more and you promoted them and you put more energy into making them look and feel like a Wrexham star, you know, that we mentioned, right. Or a, 
a Sunderland player, right? It would elevate the quality of the players. It would elevate the quality of the club to where a sponsor would be like, oh, you went from having 30 people, now you're averaging 100 people. All right, here's $500. I'll take a side rail band, you know? How do you find um, how do you find competition? And I don't mean in terms of like players, but um, like some leagues are doing their fall season right now, concurrent with college seasons. So there's just like we talked about with um, promotion up and down the pro levels and amateur levels. But do you see a lot of uh, collaboration between college programs and some of these smaller local clubs? Do some of them work well together? Yeah, I think a lot of the colleges here want their players playing more, right? Like you want them to stay engaged with the sport and to stay in shape. Because if you're playing in the spring or even a summer league, right, like your players are going to come in for the fall season already in shape. Now, there is a small negative that if they get injured, right? So as a club, you have to keep that in mind of, do I want to keep a good relationship with that college and that coach? Or do I want to push a player to play in a game that they were kind of 50-50 on, right? Uh, but down here, it is a great, healthy uh, culture. Uh, all of the semi-professional teams have uh, rosters of players in the entire region. Um, I know that some clubs will have like a five or six hour radius from their location to start recruiting from. They'll reach out to uh, top keepers, uh, top scorers, defensive players, etc. Invite them to tryouts. Uh, and those tryouts is where you can really kind of judge is somebody serious about it? Do they have the talent, etc., etc., to make it happen? Do you see anything on like the promotion side where do you ever see a college share? Uh, like, I'm just curious. It's not, it's not, again, it's not their mission, right? Their mission is to take care of their student athletes. So that's good. Um, I think we have a very good relationship with NIU with both men's and women's programs. Um, and we're out of season. Yeah, go dogs. We're out of season right now. So, you know, obviously it's a lot of trying to promote their men's and women's games and stuff. And, uh, but they do a good job because we play in their off season. They do a good job of reciprocating that when it's our time and, uh, and I think in this community, there isn't there isn't room for battling factions, right? Like we have to take care of everybody within the little circle here. And I would think that would be similar in some of the towns like Louisville and Lexington and Paducah and uh, somewhere you have maybe a, a D1 school, a D3 school, a JUCO. And a, like, then you kind of have like a little ecosystem where you can actually, looking at it from a player's perspective, you you, know, you play your youth club, academy, whatever, and then at 19, there's options. You go play JUCO, you go play D3, you go play D1, or you go play semi-pro, which may be, like I know NIU, NIU's all D1, and, and we don't have all D1 players on our team. If we play head-to-head, they're probably a better brand of soccer, but it's a different experience at the match. It's a different thing where... And we don't, like I always say, we don't check your grades and you can play here until you're 50. I don't care. Like if you're good enough, you're good yeah. enough. Um, so it's just different. And I think it, it creates a, a, an atmosphere where you're never too old for soccer. And, and there's all, even if it's just, Hey, I'm going to go have a beer at the game. 
Like there's something here in this community for you soccer wise. And I just think that is a good thing for other, maybe even smaller towns and, and smaller cities to kind of like sort of like have a soccer council where they all work together in some capacity. Yeah. And I, I agree that I think that is just how you, you build things together, right? Like if you're truly about player development, which I think most clubs and um, colleges are about, like, that's just unfortunately where we're at as a, as a state, we're not producing as many professionals. So you do have to focus on player development to be the best they can, not necessarily all the way to the MLS or uh, XYZ Europa League or whatever. Have you seen any, uh, I know I kind of asked you like who does things well, like have you seen any specific cool things, more not so much at the pro level, but at, at the semi-pro level of things that like a club did this one thing and it was really cool and like kind of hit a home run with it? Other than just winning trophies, like okay, that was going to be the thing I was I was going to ask about. Outside of winning trophies, Nick promised no really... gotcha question, and I threw a gotcha question at you. <laughs> it, it's not that much of a gotcha question. I've seen the Bowling Green Football Club do some amazing things as far as the game day experience, as far as having. Uh, food trucks as far as having uh, a full stadium experience, right? Like National Anthem, slide presentation. Uh, I've been the voice of the PA. We've played halftime music. We've done everything on par with what an MLS would be like. That was really cool to see. And that is something really to be excited about in your community. Uh, we've read sponsorships like we are entering the last five minutes of the game brought to you by Cards Against You Bad, you know, like those kind of things, right? Um, I love that experience because it's like being at a big game, but you didn't have to drive an hour. So does it? Let's just. I'm going to pick on Bowling Green because they seem to be a good example. You've got the most experience with them here, and 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 I won't keep you all night, but I'm curious. Um, you don't need specifics like, is the, is that a thing that is, occurs at every home match? Is that a thing that was, it happened kind of once, just kind of the stars aligned. And then is there, like, you see direct benefit of growth of people telling their friends about the experience. And then is it, does it grow that fan base? It did happen every year. So fun like little backstory here the bowling go to lions play at the local um high school soccer specific stadium it is like in this part of western kentucky it is the best soccer specific stadium there is it has like a 2000 2500 seat capacity like it is a very nice it was a grass field like super nice they played there up until this past spring where the city schools decided they were going to turf the field and they had to take it offline uh, for, uh, I don't know, the entirety of the spring season. So they had to go play at a local park. And trying to replicate an in-stadium experience when you have no power outlet, no internet, uh, nothing. <laughs> we had lights, that was it, and, and a field with line lines. 
sometimes I don't even think the lines were straight because we had an official walk the lines one time and I had to go get the spray paint. It'd be like, you know, a lot of bikes were a little bit further over. So it's very difficult to do that. Now, from my understanding, they're going to be back in that high school stadium this spring. Um, but, you know, I don't know by being gone for a year, did they lose the market? Because, you know, it was moved from the east side of town to the west side of the town. And we actually had really good attendance. By the last day, we were probably having 100, 150 people there, which was on par with what we were getting at the, the high school stadium. So it's interesting to see who is on what side of town, who's going to show up and stuff like Because you have to think about that. Like, you know, if you're like Lexington Sports Club, they're building their brand new uh, stadium. And it's on a, a part of town that's on the very edge of what most people would call like Lexington proper. You know, but if you're on the north side of town, it's going to take you all 20 minutes to get there and you're not going to leave in the city. So who's going to be able to get to the stadium, I think is a key part in where you play. You know, for you guys in DeKalb, like NIU is pretty central to the city. Sycamore takes a little bit further, but it's still not bad. Yeah. No, and, it, and it's it's a big thing too when you're when you're forming a club and making these decisions. Uh, that it's all those, it's all those things that you think like, Hey, I found a field. Well, okay. But right. is, is it, is it right geographically? Does it allow you to do the things that you want to do? Can do, can you have alcohol? Can you have a PA? Can you like all these things where, you know, I think, I think in that case, it's, it's, it's easy to say, Hey, listen, we're going to move for one year. Come just watch the soccer. Right. But all those resources you you saved by probably being cheaper this year, right? By not paying all these people, or not that you pay everybody, but you save money by playing at a, a park field, in theory. Yeah, the difference is like sixty bucks a game versus six hundred. Right? Can we can we take that three grand or four grand we saved, and we put half of it into next year's match day experience, where now we went and bought a bounce house, and now when you come right. back to us, it's going to be better than ever, and like tell the story in a different way. And oh, by the way, thank you for writing. If you had a season ticket at the park last year, we're going to do something extra special for you. when you renew for next year? When we're back at our brand new home with turf, blah, blah, blah. Tell the story, right? Like, so if you, if you take that challenge and that would be absolutely devastating to me, I'll be honest with you. If that happened to us, like it would take me a little while to, to like wrap my head around something positive, but I think you could, you can make it positive if you just kind of have the right mindset and then go, let's play games with it and figure out how to make this, like thank people for their, their extra efforts and bringing a lawn chair to the game instead of sitting in the bleachers. Or maybe we, maybe we bought everybody a lawn chair so that they had one there. Like there's so many things you could do um, to try to go like, Hey, it's not ideal for us either. Hands are tied. Right. Hang with us. And we need you more now than ever, something like that. But. It can, I wonder from a consumer perspective, right? Last year you went for free because it was at the park. Now I got to pay 10, 15 bucks a person to get in. What, sure. what that going to do to attendance as well? Well, and that's, that's part of the education too of, Hey, how do we fund the club? How do we, you know, we, we did it for free last year because we saved $540 a game. And I, I wouldn't have a problem if I don't know how their club structure is, and I don't mean to pick on their situation. I think it's 
but those are real yeah. challenges that clubs any small club yeah yeah it's gonna happen i mean you're you, your high school could just play and say, hey, we decided we're not going to rent to outsiders anymore. And then all of a sudden you're homeless. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. That would be absolutely devastating for so many teams in this state. Oh, oh, it, it, it is. It, it's, I think that's the thing, too, that we have to understand. Again, every club is, unless it, even the ones that are funded by somebody who thinks they have money and they're running a UPSL club or a Midwest Premier League club, they're not going to piss money away for too long before they're going to say, like, I did. I did it so my nephew could play. He's not playing anymore. I'm out of here. And finding the finding the the clubs versus the teams is a real big thing to identify in in finding partner clubs for your league or for just just having. A, you can tell the ones that are like they're probably going to be around a while, or you know, they're going to make a good run and they're going to compete for trophies for three years and. They'll be gone soon, and you can smell that when you've been doing semi-pro, amateur, whatever, non-professional soccer. That's what we should call it, non-pro. You just call it that. I just came up with a new one, Nick. Well, yeah. yeah. Look, um, this has been two, and occasionally three, but essentially two middle-aged guys just chatting about shit that they love and being nerding out on it, which is why our listenership is, you know, literally in the tens. Um, so, I'd like to say it, bro. Thanks, hey, thank, Nick, thanks for listening 10 times to each show that we record. Exactly. Just playing in the background. <laughs> um, we haven't really touched on the podcast at all, Jimmy, for which I apologize because well, I wanted to come on just so you can big it, big it up. Um, how do you get the word out about your offering? Like, are you just telling people? Have you got a social media game? What's going What's going How do people find out about you? Yeah. So I think you. It is a game, right? Like, how do you broadcast that you have something that is is of value, right? So I look at it uh, from a couple of perspectives. One, live game attendance, uh, and two, social media. So the live game attendance is something that I really want and need to beef up more. Like, uh, where I live is probably about an hour 20 from Louisville, right at two and a half hours from Lexington. So to get the bigger markets, it, it's quite a journey for me to do that. And I don't, you know, I, I don't have the best system of getting there as well. Like my car is, is absolute doo-doo. Like it is a, it's a, it's a two-door car and I got one working headlight right now. I shouldn't have more doors than headlights. But anyway, that's a different story for another day. We have a Bobby Coffee account on my uh, website. Go there. We'd like to go so I can have a better car to go to other things. Well, that's how you do a plug, guys, just so you know. Um, <laughs> the the second part of that is social media like we are a heavy social media product um i go through all day every day if i see anything on twitter that is remotely related or remotely interesting to kentucky soccer fans i'm reposting about it i'm giving my opinion about it um i'll reach out to my john and i'll be like john what do you think about xyz i'll put his comment in there as well so that people can kind of get and see that this is more than just one person's opinion. This is a conglomerate that we are trying to cover the whole state. Because right now, a lot of the other uh, products that are out there, very siloed to one city or to one team. So we're the only one currently in the market that is covering everyone, uh, which is a lot to do. But I think it's got value because everybody else is so specific, right? when we organize our show, we kind of have to break it down and be as relatively even as possible. Uh, it was a lot more challenging when, you know, we had multiple semi-pro teams 
and proteins at the same time. But then the semi-pro season ended. Now then it was just pro and then the college started. So it's constantly just rotating of like who we're talking about, but we want to give as many people as many players a platform to showcase their talent as we can. So we'll do you, uh, we reach out for interviews for pro players to get them on. We've had Charlie Machel from Lexington Sporting Club. We had uh, Kristen Davis from Racing Louisville. Uh, eventually, whenever the Loose City season's over, we're going to have a couple of their players on. Uh, so, like, it, it's just about exposure. Uh, from us because that gives cross promotion, right? If you follow your favorite player and you see they were on my show, that you're going to follow me. Hopefully, but that's the dream at least. Um, so I kind of want to flip that question back to you all, though. Like, how do you all keep this podcast in at least somewhere in the the folks' mindset, especially fans of DeKalb County? I don't think we do. I think we could do a much better job of it. Um, I. Th- Personally speaking, I have an issue, not an issue, a problem with how we brand it because it isn't a DeKalb County podcast, but I want, don't want to set... No, it absolutely does, but 98% of the DeKalb County fan base couldn't give a flying fuck that we're talking to you. God bless you, Jimmy, right? Um, not speaking, the point, I learned I'm not hunting you now. But when you brought it in there. <laughs> when John and I started it, the, the, the intention was, and I think still is, to like share the knowledge that we have everyday knowledge of doing this um with whether it's professional experience from event planning and marketing or whether it's learning a new skill of how to run a soccer club um we wanted to share that arrogantly i guess but we wanted to help people i would i live in des plains right which is an hour an hour and a half away from um decal so when i drive out to a game five six seven times this season um i'm going past a hundred communities Right, same as you. If you're if you're driving over to Lexington or Louisville, right? Um, my background in the UK says that every one of those could and should have its own soccer community uh, of whatever size, whether it's bigger or smaller than where I am and where I'm going. That's what I want. That's how we build the rivalries, and that's how we build the longevity in the sport. To, to me, it's a grassroots upwards thing rather than an MLS down thing. Um, and so, when we were doing this podcast, we wanted to talk to the people who thought. Do you know what? I can't be bothered going to the fire anymore. I can't be bothered driving two hours to Lexington. I want something in my own backyard. Um, and it doesn't exist. And just starting that fire. Or maybe it's up to me to do it. Right? Because one, one of my mantras is if people wanted it, it would already exist. So how do you then switch some, switch the rest of your community over to, oh, actually, we want this thing that is now here. Um, which it doesn't answer your question. To answer your question... Um, I we 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 do the social media thing and um, that's pretty much it. I think we we have a club startup packet that we push every now and again. Fifty bucks available on our on our website right now. Um, invaluable information, but half price is actually fifty bucks. But we don't push that. We don't push this. Um, we just sort of. I think we believe in it organically, which is the, the worst way to do it. But be, I don't want it to be a decalb product because that. If we if we spend half our week pushing this interview with you, that then the value of our decalb posts gets diluted. So I don't, you know, we are we are eternally struggling with how to market it. I think to switch it back to you, I think that the big thing that you that would work for you would be 
going outward rather than inward would be chasing the former Kentucky players that are now playing elsewhere, whether they are through through K, KU or whether they've come to the high school system right and they're now playing. And they don't have to be local, they don't have to be national, they could be playing in Indonesia or the matters, but there's enough of a soccer base there that those players exist that you could tap into for sure. And, and if you look at somebody like Josh Blind, where he played for Louis City, from Louisville, now with Benfica, I think he's up to the A team. He at least started with the B team. I think he's now up with the A team. Uh, we have reached out before. Uh, didn't didn't get to hear back from uh, from Benfica. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. No, for sure. I can't imagine that you like you're not top of his radar. But like, <laughs> um, we we've had players come through our system that are now playing like third division in Poland and Costa Rica and, and stuff like that. Right? They're the guys that. Um, if you if you can find that ball to put keep on pushing, that's where you get the alumni tag in, right? Of like former Kentucky high school alumni now playing in Poland, and all of a sudden you've got the Kentucky high school people listening to it, right? But um, well, I again, that's I don't... where our, our off season is going to go. Like we're we're yeah. working on those plans now, uh, booking multiple interviews, kind of like this, just to be like, okay. You were a star here back in the nineties. What was your journey like to where you are now as the coach at XYZ college or high school? For sure. Like almost the, like the, the current crop pool is finite, right? There's only so many players that are currently playing that came through. Whereas you've got people that came through in the thirties and the forties and the fifties and whatever. So I don't, I don't need to tell you, you know how to do it. It's your podcast market or however the hell you want. Go on, John. I no, I actually, like, I think that there's two things there. Like, I think just one idea though. You, you know, you could probably get, which would be kind of an interesting different spin is go, f I don't know the supporter groups, go get the head of every supporter group on if you have, maybe you have, but like, let them tell the tale of why soccer is the beautiful game and why they give up their weekends and travel on the road. And like, I think that is kind of a cool angle that, that it doesn't work for us because kind of the mission, as Nick said, our mission is um, summed up in community in every club. So what information can we share to help you start a start or support the club you already have? And, right. or I'm already running a club and it's struggling. So I'm getting kicked out of my high school stadium. Oh, by the way, today we got something for you. Cause we talked about it for three minutes. Like it's all of us. Us is, is, I think the build it podcast is, is about building it and then keeping it built. So like, it's a little more direct what we're tr the story and the, the things we're trying to talk about. That's why I keep asking them. I don't really, now that I don't care what the pros do, but I can't afford to do what they do anyway. So it doesn't matter. So I always kind of like who does it well at this level, what can we learn from? And, and that's the other reason I think Nick and I, uh, indirect benefit has been making new friends across the globe doing this and also like taking notes and going, well, there's one idea we can try next season or there's one, Hey, they did a Halloween party. Let's do a Halloween party next year. I mean, any little thing that can come out of these kind of conversations and in a podcast, you get to talk and record it. And I don't have the the time and you don't have the car for us to meet halfway and have a beer. Right. <laughs> so we it's 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 a good way for us to stay connected outside of our own circle with people that are either already doing it, want to do it, or used to do it, and then be able to share those experiences and hopefully we inspire somebody to start a club or make their club better and, you know, hang around an extra year or two or 10. Um, and we don't, 
I was going to ask you, it was actually the first thing I wrote down when you were doing your intro was just how do you, or how have you, or have you been able to monetize your podcasting efforts? Cause it, it does take time, especially when you prep, like you do not like we do. Oh, <laughs> uh, before I answer that, I want to go back to Dick, something you said about getting like the, the supporter section, right? Like John, who's on our show, he is actually the secretary of the Railbirds from Lexington Sporting Club. So we get that every week from his perspective in the stands. You know, he's also he has his media passes and stuff, but like also as an ultra fan, as somebody who's really there to to support the team, we get that immediate insight. We've had um, a couple of people from Louisville who are kind of connected to the supporter section. Uh, but there's some like drama that's happened over the last like two years where they the supporter section is split. Now they have trouble filling the supporter section with Blue City, so it kind of got convoluted. But John, to your question about uh, monetization, yeah, great. I, I would love to to make a dollar off of this podcast because it it is not making money right now. It, it is in fact losing uh, a money. Uh, the platform that we use to stream, we have to pay for. Um, you know, some of the, the graphical elements that are on that platform only exist because we use that and it costs money to buy those products to get things up. So we have tried a couple of times with some local businesses to reach out to them. You know, we know that like you are a big soccer fan. We know that you listen to the show because you called us, texted us about it. Would you sponsor us? That is something that in the next, you know, uh, calendar year that I have to get because I can't do this for another whole another year without making anything from it because I'm losing not a lot, but I'm losing money every month that, you know, I'm about to literally close on a house uh, a week after this is recorded. Like, well, no, I need, need that extra money coming in real soon. So um, anybody in the state of Kentucky, any bourbon distillery, any coffee house, coffee distributor, uh, antique house, I don't care. Uh, you let me know. Uh, all of our social media handles are at BG Soccer Chats. Uh, I'd be happy to, to talk. See, that's another good plug. Come on, guys. Well, I can't be all the way over to Mug here today. No, you're you're right on. That's I think that's the hard part, too, is we aren't, we don't even do a DeKalb County specific, so nobody in DeKalb County cares if somebody in Kentucky listens to our podcast, it doesn't do them any good. So sponsorships for us really don't make a lot of sense. I'm doing a negative plug now. Like it doesn't make any sense for somebody local to sponsor us because we're not going to provide any value to them. We have listeners from all over the world. I'm not saying a lot, but I think Nick's looked at the data before, you know, the, like the hits are, there's no consistency to it. It's our friend in Columbia, Missouri, our friend in Kentucky, our friend in California, our friend in Las Vegas. So it's just kind of like, it's just, it's like a different thing. So I, again, I, I try to take something from every conversation to apply to our club. And that's sort of how I figure that's our monetization. I can, I can do something to help the community. Um, but yeah, we monetizing podcasts. I guess we, we need to start asking everybody that has a podcast, how they do it. Cause there's gotta be a better way then. I don't, I don't think there is. Honestly, I think if you're getting into this gig to monetize it, you've got to either like come from money or you're deluded. All right. Like we don't, we're not involved in soccer to the money. So why would be, why would therefore be money in podcast, pod, podding about it? I just, I don't think there is. I think it's just got to be a labor of love. And if you can cover your costs on a week to week basis, great. 
Um, as we said right at the beginning, Jimmy, your production values are far, far outstrip ours. And you, you can tell just by looking and listening. Um, but that's where we make our savings, right? You're prepared to put money into it and swallow, right. swallow that loss. We're not. And it's, you know, it's horses for courses. It's not, not right or wrong. It's just like, if you want to monetize it, then you've got to be a completely different product, right? You, like, it's got to, basically, it's got to go behind the subscription and then, you know, you might get six if you're lucky. So anyway, um, we uh, like, we will never, never charge for our content. Like I know the value of my content, especially right now. Like I know what it is truly worth and it is not worth putting behind a paywall. <laughs> like I would literally lose every single fan. Like I love our supporters, but z- like 10 is better than zero. So absolutely. Absolutely. It's just how it's 10. If you were in a pub and 10 people were listening to you, then you'd think you were onto a good thing. So, right. Usually, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, gentlemen, I am very conscious of time. Jimmy, this has been not the chat I was expecting, but um, I've enjoyed it a heap. I know John has been taking copious notes. I hope it's been of some benefit to you. Um, but um, if it hasn't, I apologize for wasting an hour and a half of your time. I hope the conference didn't miss you too greatly. Um, where can people find you? You literally come here to eat up with like leftovers. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to edit that out. I might leave it in just for the you know the rustic feel. But um, how often does the bluegrass appear in people's streams? Are you weekly? Are you biweekly? What? So we actually do live streams twice a week, um, every Monday and Wednesday, um, 7 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Uh, I'm sorry, 7 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, time uh, live on YouTube and on uh, Twitter slash X. Um, so make sure that you follow us uh, on either of those platforms and on our Instagram and TikTok. All handles are the same at BG Soccercast, uh, BG for Bluegrass, obviously, uh, and for Bowling Green, which is brother. Covered all bases. John, anything last to yeah, so yeah, yeah. I don't know if we picked up on it in in an hour and a half, but would you make sure to note in the show notes that he is an NIU alumni as well, please? Because I, I just want to, I want, I want to tag on the hockey. So yeah, hey, I appreciate it. I don't even know the song, so I I just believe you. Um, but I, Jimmy, it's nice meeting you. I, I appreciate the chat. Um, I think it's cool that there's people that are passionate about the game, uh, even if. We're not actively playing and, and doing those things. I think it's cool that people care enough to cover it, uh, care enough to even sometimes lose a few bucks doing it because of of just kind of how much they enjoy what the sport brings. So thanks for hanging out with us today. And if my wife is listening, it's not a lot of money, I swear. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> I guarantee you, you won't listen. It's okay. If she, if she, if she goes, it's not our fault. And, and our, our, wives, our wives don't listen either, so don't feel bad. We're good. Sweet. All right, kids. Pick up yourself. Take care. Bye, Dave. Do you dream of starting a community-focused soccer club? Are you intimidated by all the legal paperwork and red tape? Well, dream no longer. Introducing the Club Startup Packet from DKCU, your all-in-one guide to forming a successful soccer club in your own community. This comprehensive packet gives you everything you need to handle the administrative side of launching a new club. Just follow our proven templates to write your business plan, incorporate your entity, gain tax-exempt status, secure field use, and much, much more. 
No need to reinvent the wheel on filings and policies. Our documentation distills years of experience into easy-to-customize templates. Simply plug in your local details and turn your dream into a reality. Grab your administration packet today at dkcunited.com and support independent soccer media in the process. The club startup packet will take you from soccer passion project to fully operational club. Don't just dream it, do it.